drop. Welcome to This Could Be Gay, a podcast where we explore the gay possibilities of pop culture. My name is Anya. I'm your host. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. Uh, and my guest this week is Erin. Hello, I'm Erin. Um, my pronouns are they, them. Um, I am a, a music person, so I play in a couple different bands. Um, one band is called Wild Spells, so my bandmate Zach has been on a previous episode, which is very cool. Yep. Um, I'm in another project called Keep Going, which is a Portland-based um, electronic project, and I'm also um, going to start working on a new music project over here in the Portland area um, with a band called Story Grub. Ooh. Yeah. What about our band? And then our band, <laughs> Anya and I, for which the is long, not not real. It's not a real band, but it's a spiritual band. Yes, um, called Dog Vlog <laughs> that we've that we've been planning to start for about four years. Yeah, maybe something like that. I think. Uh, oh my god! But like TMTM, Dog Vlog is ours. Yeah, don't take it from us. Yeah. You can't take it from us because you heard it here first. We will come for you. Um, I'm also a digital marketing manager at a small startup and a major television enthusiast. Um, And for the context of this podcast, very queer. Um, I'm a non-binary. And like what that means to me is I feel like very feminine a lot of the time. I don't feel masculinity very often but most of the time I don't feel my gender at all (laughs) yeah and it took a while for me to understand that um and I'm I also am pansexual or bi or I don't know however you want to define it yeah awesome um each week we talk about things that could have been gay but weren't from pop culture uh, today we're going to tackle some, let's see, what did today, I don't want to say tackle again because I already said it <laughs> the last time. Uh, today we're going to talk about um, Bob's Burgers and Mulan, Disney's Mulan. All right, go for it. All right, I'm going to take it away. <laughs> um, yeah, so I am a big fan of the cartoon sitcom Bob's Burgers. And for those who are unfamiliar with it or maybe haven't watched it, it's um, a show on Fox that is about a family struggling to make their little burger restaurant a success. Um, But beyond that, it's also a show about a family that just like genuinely loves each other, which I adore. Yes. Um, (laughs) And just as an aside, like this we're going to get into the super gay stuff in a bit. Um, But one thing that I always need to point out about Bob's Burgers is I love that they let all of the female characters actually be funny. Yes. It's so good. It's important. Um, It's like none of the female characters like fall into these really intense like gendered tropes. Right. That you see a lot in sitcoms. 
And like, for example, um, Bob and Linda are um, the two of the main characters. They're the, the husband and wife of the family. And they, I mean, this is unfortunate that this is unique, but they have a really unique relationship for a sitcom couple where they both genuinely love and support each other. And they also genuinely think the other person is super funny. (laughs) They do, yeah. (laughs) That's like one of my favorite things about their relationship is like, Linda is not this stereotypical sitcom, like nagging wife. And Bob is not this, like, bumbling doofus. Like, I grew up on these sitcoms that my parents used to watch, like, King of Queens and Everybody Loves Raymond. Ugh. And even, like, King of the Hill. Yeah. Which, like, King of the Hill is a pretty subversive show for its right. time. Right. Uh, but it still, like, fell into some pretty severe gender tropes. Oh, yeah. Um, whereas, like, that is not what happens here. Um, and so, like, all that being said, I feel like the show has this pretty progressive view of gender and sometimes sexuality for such a long-running sitcom featuring a white family and like predominantly white characters Mm -hmm. which i also think is important to point out like this is a white family um i think that the show has done a good job over time with building in like more people of color secondary characters at least um but obviously like it's not a perfect show by any means right but it holds a special place in my heart. Mm. Um, so, like, before we get into the two characters that I ship the hardest, <laughs> that I just have, like, a full page of notes on, um, I, I did want to say, like, I just said that the show often has a progressive view of gender and sexuality, which I believe is true. But I wanted to, like, throw in a little disclaimer and point out that um, there is a character. um, Her name is Marshmallow, and she is a black trans woman. um, And she first appears in the first season. And she's actually – she's a great – at least from my perspective – and I'm a white person, so I can only say so much. <laughs> but, like, I enjoy her so much. I think she's, like, a lovely character. And it's um, so nice to see, like, a trans woman just kind of, like, normalized. And just, like, she's a character. And, like, no one misgenders her. And no one, like, she, her, like, her being a trans woman is never the butt of a joke. Um, but in the first episode that she shows up um, in season one, it's called Sheesh Cab Bob. <laughs> and it's where it's the one where Bob um, needs to get a second job as a cab driver because his daughter Tina is turning 13 and she wants to have a big fancy birthday party. Aww. And so he needs to earn extra money to make it happen. And so like while he is out on the town giving cab rides to people, he meets um, this like group of trans sex workers that are all friends and he kind of like meets marshmallow through that Um, but i did want to just point out that the very first episode where marshmallow shows up um, they refer to her using some outdated language to like address her identity as a trans woman and um i don't really feel like you know saying it but it's it's just like an outdated term for like trans women um and i think that the intention of the show was like that was the term that they thought was correct even though it's outdated right at the time yeah um but it it's not and it wasn't at the time either right. um so they listened to listener feedback and they've never used that terminology again good but the like 
the one thing that I really love about Marshmallow's character is that her gender and also her job as a sex worker are totally validated by the other characters in the show and they're never punchlines. Good. I appreciate that. Okay, so (laughs) let's get to the two characters that I ship the most. (laughs) (laughs) And like, and then we can get into some other characters and like their queerness as well. Um, but we have to talk about Zeke and Jimmy Jr. Oh, we have to. We have to. The gayest. The gayest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first of all, these two are absolute friend goals. Absolutely, yes. Like, everything about their friendship is what I want in a friendship. Yes. Like, they're so good and pure. They're constantly supporting each other. It's so nice. It's so nice. Um... And I want to make it clear um, that, like, that both of these characters, their sexualities are, like, ambiguous. So, like, it's really important for a show like this to demonstrate, like, genuine, intimate, cis male friendships like this. Where two boys are totally supportive of each other and they validate each other emotionally. And they're also able to be, like, emotionally vulnerable in front of each other. Like, they cry in front of each other and like they talk about their fears and (laughs) they like talk about their loves and are so like supportive of each other's interests Mm. you know like that kind of relationship between like two cis male characters especially if they're straight is a really important part of representation so me like shipping them I don't want to withdraw anything from like that relevancy but, like, also, they could be so gay, and it would be amazing. <laughs> it would be so good. It would be so good. <laughs> so, <clears throat> excuse me. In my head canon, I absolutely believe that Jimmy Jr. is actually gay, and he just doesn't realize it yet, or is maybe denying it because of pressure from his dad to be manly. Right. And I think that this is actually a really good explanation for his on and again, off again interest in Tina. Yes. Like, I know that that's kind of part of the joke is that, like, he couldn't really, like, give a shit about Tina deep down. Right. But I think that this is, like, a really good explanation as to why that's the case. Yes. Because, like, have you met a teenage boy? Yeah. Like, unfortunately. If... No, I'm just kidding. Like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like. Literally, like, any girl wants to kiss you, and you're, like, so disengaged with it. You right. don't, like, you don't care. Really? Hmm. But, like, you're a 13-year-old boy. Yeah. Like, what more do you want to do than, like, make out with girls? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. You know what? I've you never... want to hang out with your best friend, Zeke. Yeah. That's what you want to do. That's what you want to do if you're Jimmy Jr. and you're just you're, the love of your life is Zeke. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like Jimmy Jr. has this constant desire to be around Zeke, which is so charming and sweet. And again, this like does not have to be romantic, but I just love gayness and I want to see more of gayness everywhere. So I'm going to just choose to believe that it's gay. <laughs> and... Zeke, I think in my head canon, is at least bi. Yes. And probably into Jimmy Jr. without even knowing it either. Yes. Like, I think these are just two 
queer characters that are maybe like too young to even really start paying attention to their sexual orientations. Right. It could be. You never know. Yeah. Um, but there is evidence to support that Zeke might actually like Tina. Oh. It happens in a few episodes. Um, so just a reminder for viewers who are... Listeners. Just a reminder for listeners who have never seen uh, Bob's Burgers. Tina is Bob and Linda's daughter. And she is absolutely head over heels, just like so crushing on this character named Jimmy Jr. And he is the son of Bob's primary rival in the restaurant world, Jimmy Pesto. (laughs) So like there's one episode where Zeke um, gets himself into a little bit of hot water and like Tina gets him out of it. And he is quoted as saying, damn, Tina, now I got a story to tell on our wedding day. You think that's not going to happen, but I'll get you, girl. I'm going to get you. <laughs> oh, Zeke. And then there's a, another episode later on where um, they're, they're in this big water balloon fight and um, Tina is left like with one of the last remaining water balloons and she's trying to decide whether to throw it at Zeke or Jimmy Jr., um, to get one of them out of the game. And Zeke tells her that he has a crush on her to like distract her and try to save himself. But like how much of that is real? Ooh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And then lastly, there is an episode in a more recent season where Tina thinks that she has caused the end of the world. And so she just like runs <laughs> she runs through the hallway just like kissing boys like without their consent because she thinks it's like her final moments on earth which is like very weird and if like if she were a boy this would not be cool at all so i'm like it's yeah not cool yeah it's not cool um but she she like grabs zeke's face and kisses him and then he like pulls back and remarks and he's like man i wish that the end of the world was happening every day (laughs) (laughs) so it like kind of does seem like maybe he has a crush on Tina, I would say. Mm-hmm. But I still feel like there is evidence that he and Jimmy Jr. could be deeply in love Absolutely. and not even know it. Um, I mean, okay, he has a nickname for Jimmy Jr. that he and only he gets to call him. Really? It's Jeju. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> oh my god. I know. He's the only one who calls Jimmy Jr. Jeju. Cute. And it's like their special thing, and it's so sweet. It like first pops up, I think, in the very first episode where Zeke shows up. He appears in season two, episode one, um, and the very first scene that he's in with Jimmy Jr. is they are wrestling on the beach together. And oh. honestly, like it's very erotic. <laughs> I don't want to like that's actually the wrong word to use for like two thirteen-year-old characters, but right. like they look into it. Okay. Right. <laughs> They're they're uh, into each other. Yeah, but... there's like a chemistry. Yes, chemistry. Um, and then in that episode, Jimmy Jr., his two younger twin brothers, Andy and Ollie, Zeke, and then the three Belcher children, um, we're going to get into one of them later on, break into this old abandoned taffy factory to try to find a secret treasure. This is the first episode where Jimmy Jr.'s character starts becoming more developed than he was in season one. So the first time he shows up in season one is that episode um, at the birthday party. 
and he kisses Tina at the end of it, and it's, like, very cute and romantic for the two of them. Um, but he's just kind of this, like, flat-faced character. He's just, like, a boy that Tina likes. Right. And then in this episode, in season two, the start of season two, we learn that he's super into dancing. <laughs> That's right. Just, like... <laughs> I forgot about that. So into dancing. And he's so bad. And he... Well, it, it's great, though, because he's, like, good-bad. Yeah, he's good-bad. And, like, in... <laughs> In this episode, when he's, like, they break into the taffy factory, and he starts, like, dancing in the moonlight, and he does this, like, they they are very clearly doing, like, a callback to flash dance. It's really adorable. And, like, the entire time that Jimmy Jr. is, like, <laughs> dancing really dramatically, he's yelling in the taffy factory, don't tell me not to dance, dad. And I'm, like... <laughs> Zeke is like in the background, like cheering him on. He's like, "Yeah, Jeju, dance your heart out." And it's just like <laughs> so good. We love a, a couple that supports each other. We do. We love it. We do. So, like, okay, I'm just gonna use the fact that Jimmy Jr. is extremely into dancing as like a little bit, uh, just some evidence that he could be a queer coded character. Um, and this episode is also particularly great because Tina invites him to break into the taffy factory with them because she just finished reading this romance novel and she was really hoping to have some time alone with Jimmy Jr. to try to like, you know, snuggle up to him and like progress their relationship a little farther or whatever and make out. Um, but like the whole time he just wants to hang out with Zeke (laughs) and he's completely ignoring Tina. And so she's like taking a cue out of this romance novel and she's like trying to make herself into this like helpless damsel to like win his affection. And so her arc in that episode is kind of great because she realizes that like none of those things are like empowering or helpful for her as like a young girl. Mm -hmm. And she just like needs to be herself. And she kind of at the end realizes that maybe... Maybe she and Jimmy Jr. should, like, part ways. But then, like, he's walking away, and she sees his butt, and she's like, oh, I'm back in it. Like, she... <laughs> and he just reels me back in. Reels me back in with those cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a charming show. Yeah. Um, so, Tina, um, this kind of, like, sets up this strong dislike that Tina has for Zeke throughout the show um it's it's like pervasive every single time she sees zeke and it's i think because zeke and jimmy jr are always together right um tina's so jealous of it and she you know greets jimmy jr and she's like oh hey jimmy jr and then she looks at zeke and she just goes zeke (laughs) like that's her (laughs) hello And um, Zeke, and Z- Zeke and Jimmy Jr. are inseparable throughout the show. Like, you very rarely see one on screen without the other. Um, and I really love how the show just, like, leans into that and decides, like, yeah, we're going to make these two cis male characters just, like, super supportive of each other um, to the point where I want to believe that everything is gay, off the bat like that's my default is that everyone (laughs) is queer in some way until they prove me wrong otherwise (laughs) until they prove to me that they're straight no that's a joke that's you you know what I mean Um, (laughs) but like I love that Zeke is 
so supportive and like remains supportive of Jimmy Jr.'s passions throughout the show, um, especially the dancing. And also when Jimmy Jr. gets super into magic. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh my God. There's, there's an episode where Jimmy Jr. gets really into being a magician, but he doesn't really care much about the magic part of it. He just likes the dancing part of it. <laughs> and like they're in this it looks kind of like a um, band rehearsal space. Like if you were in choir or band in high school, um, they're in this rehearsal area and Jimmy Jr. is like dancing out his act and Zeke is sitting on a chair in the background and he has like, I think he has like a jacket or something. He's like whipping it in the air. Like he's so (laughs) on board with Jimmy Jr.'s dancing (laughs) and his magic act. It's the best wholesome <laughs> it's wholesome and also so sweet and gay <laughs> i just love it so much um a little bit more about zeke he comes from a possibly troubled home um and he can sometimes have emotional outbursts and my theory is that um that instability that he faces at home causes him to feel really like protective over the other students at Wagstaff which is the school they all go to and it's like so specifically also for Jimmy Jr. He's so protective right of Jimmy Jr. um like in season 8 episode 2 it's an episode called The Silence of the Louise Um, someone is sabotaging a school trip to the water park by vandaling their guidance counselor's therapy dolls. And Zeke ends up falsely confessing to the crime so that Jimmy Jr. would get to go to the water park because, quote, he needed it. Oh. (laughs) The sacrifice. (laughs) The sacrifice. He was, like, like, the gist of it is he's saying that Jimmy Jr. just, like, really needs to, like relax and like blow off some steam and like you get to he says like you get to go jg you get to go and it's just like the ultimate sacrifice okay so i love that zeke is always like the character to kind of like step up and be protective but it seems just like so extra with jimmy jr i love it it's so sweet like you just know that they're a match made in heaven and that they are just so gay for each other it's my favorite (laughs) thing in the world um Jimmy Jr. is an interesting character because how is that little tiny vest that he wears all the time not the gayest thing you've ever seen? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Like, everything about him, his whole vibe. Um, He, like, always shirks hanging out with girls slash primarily Tina to be with Zeke, which I think is really, like, I think it's really significant. And then he literally forgets that he and Tina are dating sometimes. Like, he only cares about Tina when she's dating other boys. And my theory behind that is I don't necessarily think he's jealous of her dating other boys. I think he's jealous of her dating boys. Yes. (laughs) I could see that. I think he wants to date those boys himself. Ooh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of my wrap-up of Zeke and Jimmy Jr. and their queerness. But I also want to talk about Bob for a little bit. Oh, yes. Yes. 
Because Bob, like, I've... <laughs> I've done a lot of just, like, fact-checking before this podcast because I wanted to make sure that I had everything straight or queer. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> Gay. Um, but, like, it was always my understanding that Bob was definitely, like, a little bit queer. Right. Of some kind. And so I actually, like, looked it up on the Bob's Burgers Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Or, I guess, the Bob's Burgers Wiki, however you want to call it. And it does say that Bob is bi. Like, it's confirmed. Right. It's because, canon. Yeah, there's that episode where it's the Thanksgiving episode where yes. he keeps having to go back and get the turkeys because he keeps dropping them in the toilet when he's asleep. And he's, on, the, he's on allergy medication. Yeah. Which makes him, it's a side effect is him sleepwalking. Yes. And he's having anxiety about Tina wanting to sit at the adults table. And so he's right. having dreams about potty training her oh. and falling asleep. And then he's taking the turkeys and putting them on the toilet because he thinks they're Tina. <laughs> and then the he keeps flirting with, or the, um, the meat counter guy at the mm-hmm. grocery store keeps flirting with him. And he's like, I don't know what word I want to use, but he's like, Twitter pated. Tw- he's, he's like Twitter pated and like very flattered at the thought, but also like, uh, I'm married. I don't <laughs> want you to like get the wrong idea. That's not what's happening here. But he's not like ashamed right. of it. He's not like scared. He doesn't go through any like weird gay panic. He doesn't think it's gross. Yeah. He, that's There's none of that, which is something about this show that I absolutely adore, is they don't use that opportunity to punch down. Right. They just... The joke, actually, is that, like, Bob is kind of into it. And, like, as... <laughs> this is It's, like, the third time that he has to go back to the meat counter to get another turkey. And the, the guy behind the counter is... He's just like, fine, you wore me down. Like, things are not going good with Tony... <laughs> I think I gotta just break up with Tony and Bob was like no 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 you should stay with Tony like Tony sounds great for you and he's like mm, I don't yeah no this is happening this is happening right now and he like takes off his like little his little vest that he has to wear at work and he's like what should we do like should we go to the park no let's just have sex <laughs> and Bob, Bob was like uh maybe and he like thinks about it he takes a second he's like uh ugh. It would never work. You're out of my league. <laughs> and he leaves. He's like, goodbye. <laughs> and the the um, meat counter guys is like, I'll see you tomorrow. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so like that was definitely a big signifier. But then there are other little signifiers throughout the show as well. Like oh. Bob makes just like really kind of charming, sweet comments about like male bodies Oh. Um, and it's it's so subtle and like offhand like I don't know if a lot of people would notice these things but of course I do because I want everyone to be gay it's <laughs> so like for example um, there's I, I actually don't remember the specific episode where this happens, but the Dwayne the Rock Johnson comes up oh right shout out <laughs> and Bob just like offhandedly met, just says like under his breath almost like oh great body so good and like no one says no one raises an eyebrow no one is upset about it like it's just totally everyone just agrees with him like yeah great body amazing (laughs) so yeah I think it's like it well I mean it's confirmed in the wiki that he is by and I it's canon according to H. John Benjamin who voices the character Ooh. so I love that love that and then lastly um I 
definitely like want Louise to be a queer character. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. So for listeners again who aren't super familiar with the show, Louise is Bob and Linda's youngest daughter. And I think like the simplest way to describe her is um if you were going to like map out her alignment in D&D, she would absolutely be chaotic neutral. Yes. Like she wants chaos. Yes, she does. <laughs> And she, like she doesn't care what direction it comes from, right? <laughs> and she's another like female character that is allowed to be really funny. Yes. Um. She's also the only female character in the family who's actually voiced by a woman, which I find really funny about this show. Um. A, a brief aside. So, a brief aside. Um. I do find it very funny that Louise is the only female character in the Belcher family that is actually voiced by a woman. And, like, normally I think a lot of that stuff could bother me, like, men voicing women, but it's actually not something you see very often in the cartoon world. And I really love how these two men have just fully embraced these female characters yes they they do a great job with just like embodying them and i honestly couldn't imagine two other actors playing these two characters right so tina is voiced by comedian dan mintz and then linda the mom is voiced by comedian john roberts um the two of them, I, I think that the reason why I love the two of them so much is, um, well, first, that Linda is just, like, the ultimate ride-or-die character of all time. Um, and second, the casting of Tina, or, like, the structure of the family in the pilot, um, Tina was actually supposed to be a teenage boy. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. Yes. So, originally... Her character was supposed to be a 13-year-old boy, and so they cast Dan Mintz. They cast Dan Mintz as the voice mm-hmm. of the teenage son, but then they changed it after they like kind of premiered the pilot to a few people and like got some feedback. And so Dan Mintz was like, I'll still voice the character, but I am not changing the voice one bit. Which is <laughs> 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 like so good and I think that part of the humor of Tina's character is like they because Dan Mintz was like I'm committed to the character I'm gonna keep voicing her I'm just not changing the voice I think the writers like have leaned into that and they've made Tina like so aggressively boy crazy right so it's like a little bit of kind of like wink wink queerness like behind the scenes like they're having Dan Mintz like call himself or like call this character boy crazy but like doing it with his own voice right and like talking about like butts and butts and butts all the time <laughs> and like making and the out erotic with fiction yes the erotic friend fiction, friend fiction yeah because yeah. like they really do make tina like a very horny character they really do <laughs> and we were talking about this today how bob is just trying to be supportive but is kind of weirded out but doesn't want to shame her and how he handles it is just so wholesome it's so wholesome yeah you're totally right he he doesn't want to like shame her or make her feel bad for her absolute like almost i think it's a borderline obsession oh yeah with like boys and jimmy jr in general um 
But he also, like, does feel this sense of discomfort for, like, how intense she is about it, I think. And I think it's, like, that kind of wink to, like, every father who has a teenage daughter who's going through puberty and, like, feeling a little bit protective of her. And I don't love that trope. Right. But I do love that you can, like, see, you can visibly see Bob's slight discomfort with it. But he's also, like, so supportive of her. And he never shames her, like we were saying. Right. Um, so Louise, back to Louise. Um, okay, there's evidence to suggest that she is straight, which is honestly really disappointing to me. Right. Because she read to me very clearly in the first, like, eight seasons that she was gay. Gay as fuck. So gay. Right. It's and then... just in, it's just so evident in her demeanor right. and her character and her absolute chaos. Like, as a very queer femme person, I identify with her chaos. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, but then she has that arc where she falls for the, the baby dude. Boo-boo. <laughs> Boo-boo, that's right, from the boy group. It was honestly one of the most tragic reveals of her character for me. I mean, I love her obsession with Boo Boo because Louise is such a chaotic character that just like thrives on conflict and right. like thrives on making things, making things difficult, I think. But also she like has a heart of gold. She does, And she's so protective of her family and like will do anything for them. Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of balances balances her chaos out a little bit. Right. (laughs) Otherwise she'd just be insufferable. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but she's actually my favorite character. Yeah, she's Because she does have an absolute heart of gold and she really, she goes out of her way to stick up for the little guy Mm -hmm. every time, which I love. Um, and advocate for herself. Yeah. And seeing a nine-year-old girl be that just absolutely powerful on screen yes. every single week is so meaningful and cool. Um, but yeah, the, the first sign of her potential straightness or maybe like bias or whatever you want it, whatever, is her um, very surprising, even to her, a surprising obsession with Boo Boo. <laughs> From the fictional band within the universe of this show called Boys for Now. And that is a boys, the number four now. And it's boys with a Z. Of course it is. (laughs) It's like really important to me that you and the audience know how this is spelled out. Um, And I mean, it's such a good arc because Louise is like the opposite character that you would ever think would fall for a boy bander. Mm -hmm. But it was also like, I so don't want this to be her. I need her to be gay. (laughs) Like I need it in my heart and in my soul. 100%. But like you were saying, it was, it was so good to see her just be like a normal, like nine-year-old girl that has her first crush on somebody. Yes, Getting absolutely. to see that multi-dimensional aspect of Louise's character. Yes, and especially, like, a first crush that is, like, sickly, sweetly girly. Yeah. <laughs> for her. Yeah. Because she's such a tomboy as well. Right. Like, she constantly... I also kind of, like, theorized that she could maybe be, like, a trans character. Like, I got really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, because she is, like, very tomboyish. Not to say that, like, all trans characters need to be this way. It's just, like, a common kind of trope that you see a lot in media where, like, if you have a, like, trans boy or something, like, he's always really, like, tomboyish and kind of, like, leans more toward, like, mask 
interests. Um, and you do see that with Louise. Like, there's an episode where um, Linda and Tina are out for the weekend. And um, Louise decides that us boys are all going to throw dad a bachelor party because he never had one. <laughs> I love that. She's also super into these um, Japanese samurai films called the Hawk and Chick films. And it's like a serious bonding moment um, where Bob and Louise like love watching these movies together. And they're like very stereotypically like something that a father and a son would watch together. Mm -hmm. So I kind of theorized at one point, like this could be a thing. It would be kind of cool. Like that if canon, like maybe Louise came out as like Louis or something someday. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's also some, um, some, there are some plot lines that show up later in in the seasons where it's possible that Louise has a crush on regular sized Rudy. Right. And so that was also like more disappointment for me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was really shipping her with um, a character named Jessica. Oh, right. Yes. Jessica, um, Louise, as we've said, is not a girly girl. And Linda, sometimes this concerns her. Um, and so Linda throws Louise a surprise birthday, or surprise slumber party in one episode. And so Louise quickly plots ways to send all of their girls home. <laughs> <laughs> and the last girl remaining is supposed to be the most boring of all. And her name is Jessica. And she, um, she ends up becoming like a proper friend to Louise at the end of the episode she holds her own in a pillow fight she's a little bit maniacal in the same way that Louise is she's got like a good solid strategy um because she um she actually what's the bed oh I know and she's really like embarrassed about it and she hates going to sleepover she hates sleepovers just like Louise does Mm -hmm. and so she has a good strategy for it she goes to bed early she's like the first one to sleep and then she, like, wakes up when she's wet the bed. And then she brings a pair of backup pajamas oh. to change into. There you go. Right. But then there's, like, a whole series of hijinks in the episode that I don't need to recap. But basically, Jessica, um, her extra, her, her uh, wet pants disappear. Oh. And she needs, she's, like, really worried she has to find them. And she's worried that her secret is going to get out. And it's really anxiety driven for her and I like really feel for her in this episode um and Louise just like wants to send her home she's like get the fuck out of my house like I just want you to go and Jessica's telling Louise like I'm not leaving until I find my thing and then we're going and so she has that she has that same kind of chaotic energy Mm -hmm. as Louise um and they end up like becoming really good friends Louise like figures out what's going on and this is another, like, heart of gold kind of personality streak of hers. Like, Jessica, at the end of the episode, says, like, well, you're going to tell everyone at school about this, right? And Louise is like, I'm not a narc. <laughs> of course. Of course not. <laughs> like, you have a great system going here. This is smart. And then Louise, like, invites Jessica to stay over Aww. for the night. And that was, I was like, I ship them. <laughs> I want it's them done. to be in love. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> so yeah i mean bob's burgers if you haven't watched it i highly recommend watching this show it's charming it's such a nice way to just 
unwind and like relax especially with the weight of the world as it is right now right (laughs) with everything going on like this is a world where there's there's conflict but it's not life or death there's meaning and there's love but it doesn't have to be heartbreaking every single episode like the stakes are pretty low but the humor remains very high and very impeccable and it is like a laugh out loud like it's a very witty funny show that you don't have to like worry about being constantly like emotionally stressed while you're watching it right it's I think it's the perfect show for just like a nice lighthearted distraction especially in these days yeah and it could be gay it could be so gay Zach and I actually have a headcanon. We have an idea that uh, Jean is, like, gender fluid. Oh, my God. I've thought about this, too. Yeah. Yes. Tell me more. Because, well, there's many numerous occasions. I did not do my homework like you, but uh, there are numerous occasions where uh, Jean refers to themselves as, like, by female pronouns and, like, nicknames and things like that. And so yeah, we have a we have an idea that Jean is absolutely gender fluid or trans. One hundred percent. I actually had a couple notes about that, but I like didn't want to talk for so long about so many characters. <laughs> but I totally agree. There's um, a lot of times when Jean does refer to himself with like she her pronouns, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna use um, he him pronouns just like as a stopgap here because that's how he refers to himself most of the time. Right. Um, and so I just want to like honor that and not misgender him purposely. I don't know. Um, but like there's, I remember distinctly a scene where he, um, it's an early season too, but he's kind of a one-off character where there's, I don't think there's a lot of depth to Gene in general. Like I think he's the least developed character on the show. I think so. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like the character that comes in to drop one liners, mm-hmm. you know, or, or four liners or five liners or whatever you want to say. Right. Cause like he breaks, he breaks some of the tension. He like, you know, pops out some of those really comedic lines that you have in the show. And, um, this is out of context, but I do remember him saying like, my body, my rights, respect for women. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's an early episode. And then there's another episode where, you know, it's another kind of throwaway, like one liner for him. And he's like, tell that to my vagina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to say that like a vagina is the, is representative of womanhood. Right. Um, but I, it is an example of Jean like feminizing himself in some ways, because in the context right. of him saying like, tell that to my vagina, the other characters are literally telling him like, you're not a girl. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So he, he definitely like gender bends quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that even if he's not queer um, or trans or anything, he does have like the freedom, and the flexibility to kind of play with gender and like try things on yeah. and like express that feminine side of him. And again, the show never uses it as punching down. It never shames him for right. it. It's no, there's no shame involved. Yeah, the characters like. are just so okay and like accepting and almost like embracing and celebratory yes. of the fact that all of these characters tend to play with gender and try gender on and try different things on however they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and no character is like explicitly, I would say, like straight. Mm-hmm. or queer um 
I'd say that when you look at the context of the show and the perhaps romantic relationships on the show, they tend to really err on the straight side or like I no, I should say the heteronormative side. Right. Um, but I think there's a lot of evidence to say that Zeke and Jimmy Jr. could be super gay for each other. <laughs> yes. I hope that this lovely little show makes its queer characters more apparent. Yes. And like starts weaving in some queer narratives, especially for the kids. Because mm-hmm. we never see that. We're seeing a lot yeah. more representation of queer adults on television, mm-hmm. but we're not getting a lot of queer kids who, like, they know that they're queer, they know their sexuality, and, like, why don't we have cute, like, crushes and teen romances? Yeah. And, like, normal stuff happen with little 13-year-old characters. Yes, absolutely. You know, we need more of it. Yes, we do. All right. And Mulan. Oh, Mulan. (laughs) So, uh, I guess if you've never seen or heard of Mulan... Mulan is, which I don't know how, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) If you grew up, like, in the 90s, you know what Mulan is. Um, Mulan is a movie about uh, Fa Mulan, who lives in China under the Northern Wei Dynasty. And um, basically, the Huns are coming in to to destroy the the dynasty. And so um, everybody is being called to war. The the men of the households are being called to war. So that's, you know, the oldest son or the, the father, whoever, um, is being called to war. And her father is a war hero already. And he has, uh, like, a leg that doesn't work as well anymore because of his uh, war... Um, injuries and so he accepts the scroll but it's basically a death sentence he knows he's going to die the family knows he's not going to make it out and so in the cover of night she takes his armor and his sword and his uh, little scroll that you know gets him into the army and takes off and joins the army as a man and I think that this would be a great opportunity for uh, a trans character because there is um, stuff leading up to her. She just doesn't fit in. Mulan doesn't fit in. She is clumsy and she doesn't, she has a whole song about like my reflection not showing who I am inside. That is a trans song. It could be a trans anthem if you it want could. it to be. Like Absolutely. As, as a person who has had dysphoria for their whole life up until like the last three years when I finally like identified that those weird feelings that I've had were dysphoric <laughs> feelings. Mm-hmm. Like that anthem as a child like did speak to me in ways that I am literally like just still trying to piece together. Right. Like, it could very much be a trans anthem for folks who are like, yeah, my outside doesn't match my inside. And not to say that that's how all trans folks feel. It's right. just, like, a sentiment that I have heard within the trans community and I have felt myself as a part of the trans community. Yeah. And so I think that that would be... I, I think that Mulan should be trans. <laughs> Agree. Uh, it would be awesome. And uh, when... Mulan joins the army, comes up with uh, their name, which is Ping, uh, and goes by Ping. 
uh, because you know Mushu puts it in puts it in Mulan's ear, and so they go by Ping for the uh, sake of the cover uh, in the army, and then enter Li Shang, Captain Li Shang, mm. just the most built animated character comically built comically built uh that just (laughs) you can tell mulan's thirsty for (laughs) i was thirsty like dude took his shirt off and i was taken aback i think that you were in the kitchen like getting water or something and i had to like say something to you because i was like they made him comically muscly and huge (laughs) i can't deal with this i like started sweating a little bit (laughs) so yeah my my uh idea for mulan is that mulan is a trans character and mulan is gay with shang yes absolutely they live happily ever after forever yes together i love it (laughs) i think it's great and i think um it, it really fits in with the narrative in kind of the first act of Mulan where you're establishing um, that she doesn't fit into society, like you were saying before. Um, and not only that, but like there's this whole scene in the very beginning where she's going into the matchmaker um, and she's, she's going to commune with the matchmaker to set her up for a suitable husband. And... She's, like, clearly drawn as, like, the the beautiful kind of stereotypical, like, Disney princess. Like, you're supposed to look at her and, like, feel comforted by the symmetry of her face and, like, how gorgeous she is, right? Right. And so the whole time, I remember watching this as a kid and being like, why are Mulan's parents being so mean to her this whole time? Because they're like, you're going to need a ton of luck with this one. Like, she's not going to find a husband. Like, (laughs) we've got to get in this lucky cricket and, like, stick it in her back pocket and, like, do everything we can to make her suitable for a man because there's just no way. And it's like you're looking at this gorgeous character and you're like, this doesn't add up to me, (laughs) you know? But, you know, the... That's just the plot device they had to use to make the movie is, you know, she's she's a misfit in the society that they have. And she's got a mind of her own. She's incredibly smart. Mm -hmm. And her destiny lies beyond just being subservient to a man. Yes. Um, And so, like, for the... In order to achieve the goals that she needs to achieve at the time, she... um, passes as a man and joins the army but i love the concept that maybe she wasn't supposed to be just married off to a man and like placed into this subservient role in society because she is not a she right he's a trans man yeah and he is gonna go live his best life as his authentic self yeah absolutely and i mean the the way that disney kind of plays it is that it's it's this really good message of like female empowerment that wasn't really something that was going on as much in 1998 uh she's there's a lot of good lines about how um you know she doesn't she can do anything that a man can do essentially and so i i think that that was an important message for the time but i think that an updated version of mulan would be 
a, a trans man character. I love it. And um, and there's the movie also touches on drag culture a little bit, which we were surprised about. There was a uh, a line about from Mushu about Mulan and saying that Mulan was in drag, and we kind of. It sat weirdly with us because of the way that it was delivered. We were worried that it was kind of the butt of the joke. It was very flippant. Right. The way it was kind of another one-off like punchline because Mushu is kind of like a gene character where he exists to, to move the plot along as like a protector of the family and a god, but also as sort of a like punchline deliverer. Right. And... Comedic relief. Comedic relief, for sure. And one of his punchlines was, like, Mulan is over here, like, doing her drag thing, and I have to come up and clean up all her messes. Right. And it's like, it was a little bit, it was too punchy down to me. Right. Yeah, so we want to acknowledge those things Mm -hmm. when they happen, because it's part of it. And later in the movie, um, they kind of turn it around, and the... um, one thing that I really like about this movie is the male friendships. Um, they they start off a little rough and kind of mean towards each other, but then they become each other's ride or die. They um, And got, Mulan's ride or die. Yeah, Mulan's ride or die. And they continue to be her ride or die after she's outed as a woman. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Yao, uh, Ling, and Qian Po. And they are just there for her and even when she's outed as a woman, like Aaron said. Um, and they come up with this, uh, Mulan comes up with this idea to distract the guards that are um, in the scene. And all three of them dress up like women and distract the guards and like full get up and the whole outfit. And yeah. These characters end up dressing as Chinese courtesans. Which is like the Chinese equivalent of kind of a geisha. Like the the makeup and design of these characters in the illustration reminded me of geisha makeup. Right. But there's a difference between that and actual like geishas in Japanese culture. Right. And the what I like about the way that they portrayed it is that this empowers them. It's not like it. It is a little bit jokey, and because the um. The guards that they're distracting are like, wow, they're ugly, you know, and because, you know, they're not the shape that women typically are. We've got this huge chiampo and we've got the really short kind of stocky, stocky guy. And uh, but they use that and they become empowered to like take it back. And um, they're in that form for the rest of the movie yes that's like it doesn't it doesn't end they just keep going and it's they're just there i mean they meet the emperor of china dressed that way dressed this way and they're like not embarrassed about it because they literally just saved the empire yeah they saved china (laughs) (laughs) like these three adorable like goofballs that are ride or die friends till the end are actually they seem to like kind of be flaunting it a little bit like they kind of embrace the side of themselves right they're enjoying it yeah enjoying the the reprieve from toxic masculinity yes i was actually a little bit disappointed um, that Li Shang did not also dress up in drag. I really wanted him 
to like adorn this aesthetic and just like try it on and see how it is for him yeah (laughs) because I do think that he like exhibited a lot of characteristics of toxic masculinity oh absolutely yeah I would have liked him liked for him to play in that space but of course it's 1998 right and he was supposed to be like a last minute addition that he they finally won him over and he just joined after they'd done all that yeah yeah and he I also think that like because of the like gender roles that these characters were playing even though there is a lot of gender bending in this movie they did need like at the time I think they thought they needed like one like cis male character to just like anchor it all down right who just like never broke out of his own masculinity and like actually there's nothing wrong with that really when I like think about it like you know we we should have characters representing their like masculinity in media too Mm -hmm. but like I think that Uh, if you were to look at Mulan and maybe like update it for 2021 like you were saying earlier it would be a really fun idea right to get Shang in on this fun drag experience right and he does come out of his toxic masculinity a little bit I think when he finally comes around to Mulan um being Ping being who like the full embodiment of of who she is as this character that is so multifaceted and can kick so much ass and (laughs) and always has a plan and always has a plan is always coming up with something to save the day like this motherfucker was going to just die with honor in their like very first encounter with like the big bad in this movie. Right. Like this main villain rolls up out of nowhere because Mushu is like fucking around with cannons and lights went off and like gives away their position while they're hiking through the mountains. And it's super snowy. They're in this really dramatic, like <laughs> snowy area. Um, and you know, like this whole hung army shows up. And the big bad comes up over the mountain and Shang, like his fucking plan of action as like their general commander is just like, if we die, we die with honor. Like he has no backup plan at all. Right. You just like fire all the fucking cannons we have at like this small concentrated part of the mountain where I see people and just like burn all of our weapons immediately. Right. But Mulan has this, she's constantly outsmarting the people around her. Like, she's using this brain that she's not supposed to have. Exactly. Which I think was super important for the time. Yeah, and she saves the day. And this is before she's outed. So she is masquerading as Ping at this point. Mm -hmm. And she saves the day, as per usual. Mm -hmm. And then... And earns the, like, undying trust of Shang. Yes. And then... It all goes to hell. <laughs> yeah, and then she's wounded in battle and then, like, immediately outed. outed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that things really... Like, I think he does... Shang unpacks a lot of his toxic masculinity in the third act when um, the Hung attack the Empire and go after the Emperor. And uh, I think that Shang, like, finally has to admit that Mulan is just, like, a better soldier than him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Even if he does not right say it. Right. Um, because he has to follow her lead. Like, mm-hmm. she does continuously take the lead and, like, disobey orders. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, in a, in a modern society, like looking at, you know, our fucked up military industrial complex, that would be completely unacceptable. And you would right. probably be like punished for that. I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't. I don't know anything about the military. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't try to talk about that. Like I'm an expert. I'm an expert on Bob's Burgers. <laughs> I'm not an expert on like the psychology of the military and like what happens for people who are dissenting orders. But I would imagine that it is not met with as much acceptance and also right. downright encouragement as Mulan's character. <laughs> right. That's the whole thing. It's that I was thinking about that while we were watching it. If this happened in the real world, some man would be taking credit. Yes. For the things that Mulan is doing. Like Shang would have just taken the credit for the things that Mulan was doing and it would have just ended yes. there. 100%. Which is depressing. <laughs> and honestly, that little speech that the emperor gives at the end, where he says, "Like you've you abandoned your family, you stole this scroll, you masqueraded as a man, you joined the army, you dishonored the army." Um, he just kind of like rattles off this laundry list of like shit that Mulan has done wrong, but then he punctuates it by saying, "And you've saved us all." Yeah. And obviously, like you and I started getting teary <laughs> at like, this oh point. So it's like it's so. It's lovely, but it's also a total fantasy. Right. Because Absolutely. you're right. Like, that would have never happened. Like, she probably would have gotten beheaded in front of the whole crowd. Right. You know? Which is a tragedy. <laughs> right. But it's also, like, the reality that yeah. we live in. But yeah, Mulan could have been so gay. It should have been so gay. <laughs> well, this has been, this could be gay. You can find me. Anya at uh, Anya Monique on Instagram, and you can find This Could Be Gay on Instagram at This Could Be Gay. Now you can plug yourself if you want. Sick. Um, I'm Erin. You can find my music projects on Instagram at, at Wild Spells, and that's W I L D S P E L L S. And keep going the band. Um, those are my two music projects. And I think that's all I'm going to plug, honestly, because all of my other shit is really boring. Like, it's just <laughs> digital marketing, and yeah. who that's, cares? That's chill. <laughs> who cares? All right, well, go do gay shit. Do gay shit, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know we were supposed to have a tag like I knew that she was mine till I gave her all the love that I had